0: Alrighty, how's it going, everyone? Uh, how's it going? We are here for episode 13 of the Football at Anonymous podcast. And uh, we are still rolling with our eighth round series here. We'll be doing the NFC East today, last NFC um, division, before we switch over to the AFC side next week with the AFC West. Um, before we get going with that, a couple things... NFL news wise, uh, so we had the Rooney Rule talk this week, Chris, and um, there were a couple changes that happened. So the first one was that teams um, are now required to interview at least two external minority candidates for head coordinator, head coach jobs, and then uh, one external minority candidate for coordinator. Um, senior football ops and also GM spots and then the other one that was just passed yesterday um, removes the team's ability to block assistants from interviewing for coordinator jobs uh, which had been a problem in the past just because a team could put a title on a coach such as assistant head coach fullbacks and that, that way their, their assistant head coach So they can't, they couldn't interview for a coordinator job with another team. Um, But before we get to the one, there's also a proposal that was tabled yesterday. Um, But before we get to that, your thoughts on the two things that were
1: passed. Um, I mean, I like the idea of having to interview the minority coaches because that will maybe lead to an increase in the hire of minority coaches, um, but I don't know. I I'm still a little iffy about the uh, about the removal of the other rule because, um, just like from a Jets fan point of view, I love Greg Williams, and like now the fact that they could lose him to any position is kind of like. Scary to me. Um, so, I mean, I understand it because it gives the the coaches more of an opportunity and all that. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant about that. one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, definitely good. Um, I think I don't know really what the um, mindset was having the blockage rule in the past uh, I don't really understand why it was a thing anyways because if a team offers you a coordinator interview why should you not be able to take it <laughs> um, just to improve your career and um, but the the one thing that was passed or the one thing that was tabled I mean uh, the proposal that kind of took social media by storm. Um, So it's improving the team's draft position based off hiring minority head coaches and GMs. So if a minority head coach is hired by a team, they can move up six spots in the third round of the draft before his second season. Um, And then if a minority GM is hired they can move up 10 spots in the third round in the same thing, the season, the draft before his second season. Um, And then also with that, the team can also move up five spots in the fourth round um, for if either head coach or GM um, is still with the team uh, in the draft before their third season. So, that was the big one. Uh, it's a, it's, sort of a big issue just because, what if a team would hire both minority head coach and GM, they move up 16 spots in the third round. Um, that could move them all the way into the second, the middle of the second round, depending on where their draft slot is.
1: I mean, <clears throat> majority of the time the coaches and GMs that are being hired are being hired by teams that are probably a top 10 pick so like you just said if a team hires those kind of players I mean those kind of coaches and general managers then they would move up into the second round which I don't know I just I did, when I first heard this rule I was totally against it like like I understand wanting to diversify or whatever but incentivizing teams for doing it like that I don't think is the right way to do it
0: Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Um, I mean, I understand that there isn't an issue. But I think the thing is, is that the NFL always looks at numbers. They look at how many minority head coaches were hired versus how many openings. And when you look at this past hiring cycle, only one was hired. And that was Ron Rivera, which they kind of don't really count. Uh, because he had already been a head coach before they're looking for new um, minority head coaches and uh, coordinators but I think that was one of the biggest things is that the teams are looking for uh, a lot of people are trying to say that getting minority candidates into the coordinator positions is what really needs to happen more than than becoming head coaches because a lot of people, a lot of minority candidates aren't getting opportunities, especially when you look at the collegiate level. Um, I read an article previously that stated, like, when you look at the head coaches and the coordinator position at the NCAA Division One level, FBS specifically for football, um, there's not a lot of minority head coaches or coordinators um, a lot of them get stuck in the lower ranks of coaching and they just don't get the opportunities and I'm re- I'm not actually sure why um, there there doesn't seem to be a reason a legit reason why it happens um, personally I think it's a lot of uh, the good old Boys Club, where people hire their friends and people that they know already and they really don't want to hire people that they don't know, which I can understand to a point, but at the same time, when you look at a lot of people uh, that are coaches, they really shouldn't be uh, compared to com- compared to the people that are available. <laughs> And I know we had this talk in our uh, fantasy, our Dynasty League group chat about it, uh, about Eric Biennemi specifically, this hiring cycle where he didn't get a job, a head coaching job, and he stayed as the offensive coordinator in Kansas City. Um, Not a bad job, though. (laughs) Right. But at the same time, uh, he definitely deserved to be a head coach. Uh, But
1: did he, he could have said to teams that, and we don't know about it, that he wasn't planning on moving anywhere, so...
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, sometimes, it's just uh, a guy doesn't feel like it's the right time, like you saw with Josh McDaniels a couple years ago, when he originally accepted the the Colts offer, and then uh, backed out, which was kind of a crappy move on his part, but uh, he just felt that New England was the best spot for him at that point, and that Indianapolis wasn't. I mean, sometimes it's just picking and choosing where you want to go at what point in your career. uh...
1: Yeah, I mean, I know I'm just thinking from my perspective, if I were Eric Bionimi, I would rather stay as, like, the second-in-command in in Kansas City than go to a team like, I don't know, whoever was looking for the the coach this year, like the Redskins. I'd rather stay in Kansas City as the offensive coordinator, coordinator than have to go to a rebuilding team like the Redskins. That's
0: just me. yeah I mean sometimes it's uh, <clears throat> sometimes it's you just have to go I mean like I think that's what happened going back to Josh McDaniels I think that's what happened when he went to Denver originally um, it was just his first head coaching spot and uh, sometimes you just have to take whatever is offered to you just to get experience and then if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out and then you can go back to being a coordinator and then uh, get a head coaching job, another one down the, down the line, mm-hmm. which I think that's what some people think. But obviously these jobs are hard to come by, so you can't always rely on getting another head coaching job uh, depending on how long you're in the league. But I don't know. I Like we said, I incentivizing I don't think is the right way to go necessarily um but that's just me <laughs> yeah um another thing that literally just happened like 30 minutes ago maybe uh maybe an hour ago I don't have the timestamp on the tweet but um Alden Smith was reinstated conditionally today by Commissioner Roger Goodell um Obviously, we're talking about the NFC, so it helps that 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 happened today uh, because he is a Cowboy, and he is cleared to now um, start participating in the virtual workouts for the Cowboys. So, I mean, I don't really know how much that has an impact on them or not, but uh, do you have any thoughts on Alden Smith? He hasn't played since 2015.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's had such a large gap between playing time is a little like concerning to me but um it also depends on like what he's been up to while he's not been playing like has he been like staying in shape or has he just been sitting on the couch letting himself go I mean I'm sure if that were the case he wouldn't be reinstated and is now a member of the Cowboys but still not having played for the last five years at like that high of a level, I think it's gonna definitely take some getting used to for him um, to get back to speed. So, I don't know.
0: I think it was just like a classic Cowboys move, though. Just yeah. because they take they take off outcasts and suspended guys all the time. Some, I mean, I don't really know what the track record is, but I haven't really seen it work out too well for them in the past. I can't remember a guy that has actually worked out for them that has been a uh, guy that has had trouble in his past. I mean, I, you can kind of look at Lyle Collins, who they, but they dra- uh, he went undrafted, but, I mean, that's yeah. still, he had one video and that was it, really. He didn't really have a lot of other concerns because mm-hmm. he was a first-round graded lineman, but that's the only guy I can think of at this point.
1: You know, like... The other guys that come to mind, but they aren't—they weren't really like that great. We're like Greg Hardy and like Randy Gregory and people like that. They,
0: but still, they, both they, of them got help. suspended multiple times again while while they were with the Cowboys. <laughs> so it's like it didn't really help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Randy Gregory is definitely one guy that came to mind that never worked out for them after being a second round draft pick, but. Um, Didn't he start with Carolina? No. He was second-round draft pick of the Cowboys. Wait,
1: who – isn't there some guy, though, that started with Carolina? Greg Hardy. Hardy started
0: with the Panthers, yes.
1: That's
2: what I I
0: thought, yeah. Yeah. Um, So we'll get into our eighth-round series here. Uh, We'll have Rob coming on a little bit later. I'm not exactly sure when he's coming on, but he should be on later. Um, Starting off the Washington Redskins here. So uh, first round – the highest graded player in the draft number one guy uh, Chase Young, Ohio State second overall Um, they didn't have a second round pick, I forget exactly what that trade was Oh, that was in the Montez Sweat trade last year when they moved up to get him in the first round with the Colts Um, third round though they got a running back Antonio Gibson out of Memphis then they got the supposed Trent Williams replacement in uh, the fourth round in City Charles from LSU. Uh, they got Antonio, Antonio Gandy-Golden, wide receiver from Liberty in the fourth round as well. Two fifth round picks, Keith Ishmael, the center from San Diego State, which was a pick they got in the Trent Williams trade. Also had uh, edge rusher Kalik Hudson from Michigan in the fifth round, which they got in that pick from the Quentin Dunbar trade. And then uh two seventh round picks, Cameron Curl, the safety from Arkansas, and the edge rusher, James Smith Williams from NC State, which was a pick they acquired in the Case Keenum trade with the Broncos. So out of those picks, they had one, two, three, four, five, six, eight picks. Uh what was your favorite selection there, Chris?
1: I mean, the obvious one would be to say Chase Young, but um I honestly think Antonio Gandhi Golden might be their like best pick in this draft. Um because even though he was a fourth round pick, I started hearing his name like I think late second to all the way through the third and he just slipped all the way down to them in the fourth round. So I think they got some pretty good value on him. And uh I mean, they are a team that's lacking receivers, so I think that he can um, definitely contribute in that offense and uh, possibly become one of the better receivers in their, on their team in the future.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about his fantasy impact uh, in a minute here. Um, but just a little bit of news about him, though. Uh, I don't know if you saw, he did have COVID-19. Uh, oh, yeah, he was positively diagnosed pre-draft. <sighs> And uh he's fine now. He said his condition his symptoms were mild, and uh, but yeah, he he was positive, so that'll be interesting to look at when the testing measures come out for the NFL and the season uh, to see what is going to happen with the guys that we know of anyways, and the other guys that we don't know of that have pos- been positive for uh, the coronavirus and to see what happens with those guys specifically um, versus the guys that weren't tested or tested negative. Um, But, yeah, my favorite guy was Chase Young. Uh, Obviously, I'm a a Penn State homer, so obviously I hate Ohio State. But then again, Chase Young was a beast. I mean, if he didn't miss the couple games that he did last year, I think he probably would have broken – single season sack record i'm not exactly sure what the ncaa sack record is but he still had 16 and a half sacks in 10 games which is ridiculous in college um so yeah that uh i mean obviously it wasn't a need really for washington they i mean their rushers are getting older and ryan kerrigan um, and I forget who the other guy on the other side is. Let me see here. Uh, well, they mo- drafted Montez Sweat last year in the first round too, which is why I really didn't think that they were going to go edge. But they didn't get a significant offer to move up the two, so they figured they'd just go with the best player in the draft, and that's what they did. Uh, but, yeah, that line is just stacked now. Ryan Kerrigan, Chase Young, uh, Montez Sweat. Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, who's very underrated from Temple. Um, and then they also have Ryan Anderson there, uh, James Smith-Williams, like you said, they drafted in the seventh round, and Nate Orchard as well. Um, but yeah, loaded with first-round picks there. The only issue I think... I think it really helps that they drafted Chase Young, though, just because of their transition from the 3-4 to the 4-3 in the Ron Rivera defense. Uh, I'm not sure how Ryan Kerrigan going to fit into that because he was, he's been a 3-4 guy his whole career in Washington, and now he's transitioning to a D-end spot instead of an outside linebacker, so I'm not sure how that's going to look. But I'm sure he'll still be fine. He might stand up anyways. Even at the end, I think he, he probably is going to end up standing up and rushing that way instead of uh, putting his hand in the ground. But yeah, um, the issue I had with their draft was actually kind of twofold. Uh, no tight ends and no corners. Um, I had tight end as their fourth biggest need because there's literally nothing there. Um Jeremy Sprinkle is their starting tight end right now on the death chart that I have. Um, other than that, Logan Thomas, Richard Rodgers, and Hale Hentes. No idea
1: that even is. Right.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I'm not really sure who's going to be their starting tight end. Uh, I, I saw another depth chart that had Logan Thomas as a starter, which could happen. I mean, Jeremy Sprinkle was okay last year in a couple of games that I watched with the Redskins. Uh, and I think Dwayne Haskins actually kind of likes Sprinkle, but there's literally nothing. Uh, Jordan Reed's gone, and i um, not really sure what they're doing at tight end. So uh, it kind of sucks for Dwayne Haskins, but he's going to have to rely on McLaurin and uh, Gandy Golden, Trey Quinn, Cody Latimer, mm-hmm. who just had legal issues himself. Um, and then corner-wise, though, they traded Quinn Dunbar to Seattle, uh, they got uh, they have Kendall Fuller and Fabian Moreau, Ronald Darby who they signed in free agency, Jimmy Moreland but I thought that their depth lacked youth and mm-hmm. quality that was why I said no corners uh, head scratcher for me
2: yeah.
1: I mean <clears throat> I think that the draft was kind of thin with corners though so if you didn't get like, one of those top like four or five guys I don't think that there was much value after that. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I agree with you with the tight end thing. They don't really have one at the moment. Um, It's kind of a shame that Jordan Reed didn't work out because he was one of the best when he was healthy, but that was the problem. He never could stay healthy. Um, I think one of my biggest head scratchers, though, is that, I don't know, to me, I don't think that running back was a a need for them, at least not a major need. So I was surprised when they took Antonio Gibson right there in the third round. With their second pick that they had. Um, when there was so many other better players and so many other needs that they could have gone with. Um, but, I mean, they still have uh, guys who is coming off the injury or whatever. And then they still have – don't they still have Peterson, right?
0: Yep, AP still yeah. there.
1: Yeah, so, I mean – I don't really think that he's going to do much, at least not this year. So, I don't know.
0: yeah, I mean, Antonio Gibson I realistically could become the starter by the end of this season, just because Darius Geis has, I think I saw the stat was uh, forty-five carries, I think, over his first two seasons. I think that's that's mm-hmm. the number there, and uh, he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. And I think that's after seeing that happen for two seasons, I think that they just figured they had to get one. And, uh, I mean, Antonio Gibson's explosive, don't get me wrong. Memphis had two quality backs. Um, I'm blanking on the other running back that they had um, with him this past season. But, um, yeah, Memphis has become a pretty good running back school with Tony Pollard last year. Antonio Gibson this year, and they have another one coming out next year. Again, blanking on names right now, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, Adrian Peterson. I think he was actually a cut candidate right now. Uh, a lot of people think that they're not going to keep him, which could happen. But I <laughs> realistically, Adrian Peterson could be the Week One starter. <laughs> so yeah, no. who knows? Uh, they also have JD
1: because of Geiss's. Injury history. I mean,
0: yeah. They also have uh, JD McKissick as their pass catcher because Chris Thompson left for Jacksonville. So there's that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Adrian Peterson, though, did produce last year. He was, he hit a thousand yards, I'm pretty sure. Um, Or if he didn't, he was close to it. Yeah. Even, even in his 30s, AP's still producing. So, um, Hitting the fantasy here, uh, looking at the rookies, going back to Antonio Gibson. um, Where do you think his fantasy value is right now?
1: Like I was saying before, at the beginning of the season, I don't know really if he's going to contribute much. Um, It all depends on what happens to the running backs in front of him. I mean, right now I think he's at the very – at the very most, he's the running back three on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, could even be the running back four, because I didn't even know that McKissick was there. Um, but, yeah, I don't really see him contributing much this year unless one of those other guys gets hurt or gets traded or gets cut or something. Um, but I think he definitely is a good pickup in a in the later rounds for a dynasty league um, because yeah he can I think he will turn into one of the or at least splitting carries with somebody eventually um so I think he's a good like dark horse backup running back to have on a Dynasty League
0: hey man I might pick him up in in our draft in uh, 10 <coughs> days now which we were just talking about before the show 10 days mm-hmm. till our Dynasty draft crazy um yeah, I agree though. Uh, I I put mild value. Uh, I have Darius Geis as their RB one right now, but uh, like I said, who knows what his injury history with his injury history is gonna do to him. Uh, so I think late round flyer worthy, like you said, uh, th- but I think it's gonna be hard for a lot of dynasty leagues because unlike ours, which we have five rounds this year, we had seven rounds in the two previous years. Um, a lot of dynasty drafts only have three rounds so I think it would be hard to put him into a three round draft uh, I think with ours having five I think uh, fifth round he might yeah. go in one of the last picks there uh, just for a flyer but Antonio Gandy Golden though uh, I know we were talking about this a little bit uh, I think if he were I think uh, if he works out well this year uh, he could be a wide receiver too in the offense uh, behind mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin. I think uh, mid round for him is is where it's at, and uh, but I do think his expectations are limited with the whole coronavirus thing going on. All rookies are going to be limited in their outputs, I believe, except for maybe a couple. Uh, but yeah, in season, preseason, waiver wire edition—that's where I think uh, AGG fits best.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he—he um, he, like I was saying before when I was saying he was one of my favorite picks for them. He's kind of buried in terms of rookie wide receivers because um, there are like this was one of the deepest classes for rookie wide receivers. Mm. Um, so in a rookie like dynasty league draft, I don't know if he'll. Get picked if not it it wouldn't be till later, um. But like you said, he could develop into the wide receiver two in that offense and produce pretty well. So
0: yeah, yeah. Looking at the rest of the team here, um, kind of going back to the receivers, I think a lot of the receiver uh, production is going to be dependent on Dwayne Haskins and where where he goes in year two, and but it, the thing is though. It, it's his year two but it's year one under ron rivera in their new offense so i think it depends on how quickly he's going to learn this offense and how comfortable he feels going into the season Uh, because he does have a legitimate backup option to potentially take his job now with kyle allen being there who ron rivera had in carolina and adores really that's why they traded for him um And I think when you look at the the running backs, we already talked about it, but it's muddy, the situation there. Um, I personally would not draft any of them except for Geis late Mm -hmm. in a regular fantasy draft, not talking Dynasty here. Um, But, yeah, Terry McLaurin, though, I have him in Dynasty. Loved it last year. Drafted him in the third round, I think, in the rookie draft. And, uh, yeah, Terry McLaurin is a wide receiver one all the way. Low wide receiver one. He's not a superstar yet. Uh, I think he can be, though, if Dwayne Haskins develops the quarterback position. Wide receiver two. High wide receiver two, though, dependent again on Haskins. Nothing at tight end, like we said. And then the defense I have uh, as a top 15 unit uh, should be improved with Chase Young there, but uh, linebackers are suspect for me.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know if there's anybody I would really consider on this Redskins team, except for maybe the defense. The defense I think is a top half of the league, like you said. But um I think McLaurin depends very heavily on how well Dwayne Haskins does and I'm not a Dwayne Haskins believer at all. <laughs> I don't think he's that great of a quarterback, so I'm going to try to stay away from any sort of receivers or anything like that on that team. Um, and obviously, like you said, nothing at tight end, so not much to worry about there. Um, <clears throat> and in deeper fantasy leagues, like for us who have 25 spots on our rosters, I would consider going for one of the running backs, like like Geis or even Adrian Peterson, because like you said, he – he did produce last year when uh when guys went down so i don't know i still think that the running backs are probably the only the only uh position i would actually consider here on the redskin
0: you know what would be great is uh if ron rivera goes into a run-based offense with dwayne haskins starts adrian peterson week one (laughs) and -hmm. just (laughs) rolls him (laughs) 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 runs him into the ground Mm -hmm. um but yeah going into their schedule here uh i think this is the lowest record that i have popped out to date um four and twelve one and five in the division i know one and five is definitely the lowest divisional record that i've put out there but yeah four and twelve for me i'll let you talk about your record prediction before I get into actual games that I picked there though.
1: Yeah, I'm looking here and they have a pretty difficult schedule here. Um, cause I mean, they got to play the AFC, I mean the NFC West, um, and the AFC North. And those are two very tough divisions, especially the NFC West. Um, their own division is pretty tough as well. Um, and I'm trying to see who are the two odd teams.
0: They here. get Carolina and Detroit.
1: So I mean those are two winnable games, but I think they probably split those. Yeah, I see like three and thirteen here.
0: Yeah. So uh yeah, they're,
1: they're in for a long season.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh week one, uh home against Philly. At Arizona, then at Cleveland. Home against Baltimore and the Rams, at the Giants. Home against the Cowboys. Their buys week eight. Then they uh, are home against the Giants, at Detroit. Home against Cincinnati. Um, then they have the Thanksgiving game at Dallas, at Pittsburgh, at San Francisco. That's just brutal stretch mm-hmm. right there. Uh, and then three straight away games. Yeah. And then they have. <laughs> then they come back home. What do they get? Seattle at home, uh, and then they are home against Carolina, and then at Philly to end it out. So yeah, four and twelve. Like I said, for me, um, yeah, this schedule is just horrid. Uh, I have three of their four wins coming in the first half of the season, or right, well, first half plus one, first nine weeks. Um, I have three of their four wins coming. And actually, all four of their wins are within the first ten weeks. I don't have them... six
1: straight losses to end the season there, or seven, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, seven yeah. straight losses from week 11 to week 17 for me. Uh, just because that that schedule is brutal at the end there. Like I said, at Dallas, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and then you come home and you still have to face the Seahawks. That's, mm-hmm. Those are four games that they they might... By the end of that, they might be getting blown out by San Francisco and Seattle because they just two tough games especially when you play a divisional opponent on the road and then even the short trip to pittsburgh but pittsburgh's defense is Mm -hmm. a top five defense so i don't think
1: and those those two late games though like you were saying against san francisco and seattle those two teams are going to be fighting for the division yeah so they're going to be playing hard
0: full war (laughs) <laughs> um they're four wins though I'll, I'll i'll say what they are for me anyways uh i have them winning in cleveland uh i was gonna have them winning in arizona but i think the offense is just too good in arizona that having a home game there i don't think washington's gonna be able to go in there and win but yeah in cleveland i have them winning i have them winning against the rams at home i think uh that's a that's a winnable game there um and then winning home against the giants I think that's the only division when they get. I don't see them beating Dallas or Philadelphia this year. Um, Which I think if they are going to beat one of those two teams, I think Philadelphia would be the one that they would be able to split with. Mm. Um, Especially that Week 17
1: game if it doesn't mean
0: anything. Right. Um, But then uh, the only other win I have is at Detroit. Obviously we we said about Detroit last week they're not that great either so that could be a toss up game anyways. I mean, I know you mentioned uh the Carolina game week 16 uh but I think uh Carolina's going to surprise a lot of people. I think uh they're going to be a lot better than people think.
1: I thought you were on the tank for Trevor Trent.
0: I am, but <laughs> I do think they're going to be a 7 and 9 team probably. Um the one the one thing that I think people would would look at is the loss against Cincinnati week 11. Um, it was interesting to pick that game as the Redskins losing. But again, Cincinnati is more underrated than people <laughs> give them credit for, too. Yeah, they're they're much improved. So. Yeah, and their defense is always usually pretty good. Um, and Joe Burrow is going to upgrade the offense tremendously. Whether he can get protected or not, that'll be the... Issue against the first round laden defensive line that the Redskins have here.
1: Yeah. But I don't uh, know. I agree with most of your picks except I don't know, the I think the week three Cleveland game is kind of a toss up for me. But, but other than that, I mean <laughs> you pretty much nailed it on the head there. Yeah.
0: It's it's a long season for Redskins fans again. And uh, I kind of feel bad for Dwayne Haskins because he really doesn't have any weapons. Um, But what I did see, though, is that I read an article about uh, Redskins' outlook this year, and essentially the way that they will win, though, if they are looking to win more than the three or four games that we have them pegged at, is low-scoring games where their defense controls it, and they only have to score maybe... 20 points to win. I think that's where they're at. 20 to 24 points a game is uh, where they're going to have to be able to get to in order to win more than the games that we have them winning. Mm-hmm. Um, the Giants here, though, they got a Georgia boy. Actually, they, they bookended the draft with Georgia guys. Um, they got Andrew Thomas to tackle... Fourth overall, he's going to slide in and be their left tackle, kicking Nate Solder over to the right side, potentially. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what they actually do uh, because it's really annoying. ESPN doesn't have a Giants offensive depth chart right now. When you click on depth chart for the Giants, it comes with just their defense, and I'm just perplexed because they're the only team that that has happened for. And it's really annoying because I want to see what their depth chart looks with the rookies implanted in there. But anyways, second round, they got Xavier McKinney, at a safety out of Alabama, 36th overall. Uh, 99th overall in the third round, they got another tackle. They, they went tackle twice uh, with Matt Peart from UConn. Fourth round, they got Darnay Holmes, a corner out of UCLA. And then they got Shane Lemieux, a guard out of Oregon, in the fifth round. So they loading up on offensive linemen. Cam Brown, linebacker from Penn State in the sixth round. I think is a lot of really underrated there. Uh, Carter Coughlin, edge rusher. They had four four seventh round picks. Carter Coughlin, edge rusher, Minnesota. Uh, T.J. Brunson, the linebacker from South Carolina, which was a pick they got in the Eli Apple trade with New Orleans. Um, and then uh, Chris Williamson, corner from Minnesota. And like I said, they book end of the draft with Georgia guys with uh, Mister Irrelevant, Tay Crowder, the linebacker out of Georgia again. So uh, my favorite pick out of out of those. Besides the two Georgia men here. Um, Xavier McKinney, though, safety out of Alabama. Getting him in the second round, I thought was a steal. He had first-round grade on him. He was uh, projected to be the number one safety. And I think he was the first one taken, if I remember correctly. I don't think there was a first-round s- safety taken. Um, but, yeah, getting him in th- at a 36 in the second round, I thought was great value. And uh, he's going to implant um, great playmaking ability to the back end of their defense there, and uh, he's going to step in beside Jabril Peppers and kind of fill the – not the Landon Collins role, because I feel like that's more of Jabril Peppers' area, but, I mean, he could come down and play box safety if he needs to, and he can also play slot corner as well. Mm -hmm. So what was your uh, favorite pick here, Chris, out of the Giants?
1: I mean, honestly – it might be the same as yours, because <clears throat> you said all the things about him. Like, he was a first-round first, first round talent. Uh, they were able to pick him up on the second day and all that. Um, I mean, outside of him, I didn't really like their draft that much. Uh, I saw a lot of kind of, like, issues with it. But they did attack one of their main needs, though, which was offensive line. And <clears throat> I am surprised, though, that they went with... Andrew Thomas, because they had their choice of all the linemen. And, um, excuse me. uh, I mean, I'm glad they didn't go with then because that's who I wanted on the Jets. But, uh, other than, I thought they were going to go with, um, why am I blanking on his name though? Uh, Wirfs. the one who went to the Browns. Tristan Wirfs, or, uh... Yeah, I, I thought they were going to go with, uh, no, not worse Worse went to Tampa, didn't
0: he? Yes.
1: Who was the one the Browns took? Why am I blanking on his name?
0: <laughs> Wills. Jedrick Wills.
1: Yeah, I, I thought they were going to go with him, but they did get Andrew Thomas, who I think will work out for them, but, yeah. Other than those two, I don't know. I didn't really like their draft.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't really surprised with Thomas at, the, at four there uh, because he was before all the smoke started coming uh all the pre-draft stuff uh and there is Rob. Here
1: comes
0: Rob. I'll get his audio connected here in a little bit and we'll get his thoughts on the Giants his favorite pick from the Giants draft here. Um but anyways, uh Andrew Thomas was considered the the top tackle before all the smoke started coming um, in that the Giants were going to go Isaiah Simmons, or that Makai Becton was the top tackle, um, but during the nineteen season there, Andrew Thomas was considered the number one tackle for the majority of the season, and uh, so it's not really surprising to me that he went there.
2: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Rob, how are you doing, sir?
2: What's up? Can you hear me?
0: Yes, sir. Yep. We got you.
2: Um, it's good. Good to be back. My bad, I was kind of late. Just had to, you know, to take care of some things. I'm kind of dirty right now. It's
0: all good, I man. Made it. So uh, we're on the Giants' draft here. So uh, give us your th- uh, favorite pick from their their selections here.
2: Um, could you name me their selections really quick right before?
0: So yeah, they had uh, Andrew Thomas at, at four in the first round. They got Xavier McKinney, safety out of Alabama, in the second. Matt Peart, the offensive tackle from UConn in the third. Uh, Darnay Holmes, the corner from UCLA in the fourth. Shane Lemieux, the guard from Oregon in the fifth. Linebacker Cam Brown from Penn State in the sixth. And then their four seventh round selections were Carter Coughlin, the edge rusher from Minnesota. TJ Brunson, the linebacker from South Carolina. Chris Williamson, the corner from Minnesota. And then Tay Crowder, linebacker from Georgia.
2: Um, Alright, well I guess I'd go with Xavier McKinney just because, um, you know, he's a, solid, he's a pretty fast guy, but in the draft, he didn't run. Uh, I mean, in the combine, he didn't do that well, and uh, he blamed it due to cramping that was happening, but he's very agile, and um, I don't know. I just feel like he'll be good um, playing deep coverage, and he weighs a little over 200 pounds, so I think he can match up well against other people. But, yeah, he's definitely my my favorite one so far out of them.
0: That. Yeah, that's uh, that's where Chris and I both went, too. Um, as far as head scratchers here, um, what were your guys' issues with the Giants draft here?
1: I mean, mine is the exact same <clears throat> as yours that you wrote here on the script. No, well, I'll kind of modify a little bit. The fact that they took no offensive skill players at all. Um, I think that that offense lacks a lot, especially at the wide receiver position. But yeah, the fact that they didn't draft, <laughs> draft any sort of uh, offensive help for, for uh, Daniel Jones is kind of surprising to me. Yeah, I could see that too. Yeah,
0: no wide receivers for me was an issue. Um, I mean. I wrote on their needs. I mean, wide receiver was only my fourth biggest need for them behind offensive tackle, edge rusher, and safety. But what I wrote for wide receiver, their need there, was they have a mixed bag of slot receivers, essentially. Uh, Sterling Sharp. Not Sterling Sharp. (laughs) Sterling Sharp, Packers tight end. Uh, (laughs) Sterling Shepard. Golden Tate. And then Darius Slayton, they also have uh, Corey Coleman as well there. And, yeah, it's just they needed an upgrade, especially if one or two of those guys goes down. Like it happened, uh, I'm pretty sure both went down, or at least Shepard was out for a while last year. He's had concussion issues before. Uh,
1: Golden Tate was suspended, I think, for the first
0: four. Yeah, Golden Tate uh, hasn't really had injury issues in his career, but behind those three, and I mean, Darius Slayton was a fifth round pick last year. He stepped up in a big way for them, but behind those three, there's literally nothing really. I mean, Corey Coleman, I know a lot of giants fans, a lot of them that I know love Corey Coleman because he's like the best thing ever, but (laughs) he, his career isn't really that great. He hasn't really done a lot after being a first round pick. Um, So, behind their top three receivers, there's not a lot of um, quality and and skill. I mean, Damari Scott, uh, Cody Core, Reggie White Jr., uh, David Sills, who I know our guy Max loves because he's a West Virginia boy. Um, And then they also have Alex Bachman, who I'm not even sure who that is. But (laughs) Uh, yeah, those are the receivers, though, behind the top four. So, yeah, uh, not drafting any receivers was an issue for me. I don't really think they needed to draft a, a, a running back just because they, they got Deion Lewis and free agency to back up Saquon. They also have Wayne Gallman still there as well. And then when you look at tight end skill-wise, they got Levine Toilolo uh, to back up Evan Ingram. So I think they're okay there, and they also drafted Caden Smith last year. So I think they're they're okay at the tight end position as well. Um, mm-hmm.
2: but yeah, How do you no, feel about Holmes?
0: Darnay Holmes. For a
2: cornerback. Um. Look like they might need him. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I mean, yeah, DeAndre Baker having the uh, legal issues right now. Um, I'm not sure. Right now, I mean. On the depth chart that I printed out last, Darnell Holmes was buried, which I'm not sure why he was, because yeah. on the depth chart that I have, he's behind, he's fourth at one of the corner spots behind a guy named Ronald Zamort, who I have never heard of, um, but they do have they do have a lot of um, depth corners though. Sam Beal they got in the supplemental draft two years ago uh cory ballantyne um, grant haley i
2: i spoke to baker two days ago Mm -hmm. and it seems like a lot of what we read in the media was just misinformation and that it looks like he's going to be cleared of all his charges i don't know what the giants will do or just bring that attention to him but um i do have like a high belief that all the charges against him will be dropped there's like there's like They have witnesses now, um, multiple witnesses, confirming that he wasn't involved in anything and that he was actually playing Xbox during the time. Everything happened, and they're, like, looking at his game records and everything, but um, he's also been training right now. So, ever since he got out, he said that he just wants to focus only on football, and he's, like, cutting out the distractions in his life. So, we'll see what happens to him this year.
0: I mean, I still wouldn't be surprised um, if him and Quentin Dunbar are both uh, suspended for maybe one, two games. Yeah. Um, so,
2: you know how that suspension would work? Would would they still, like, in their contract, like, essentially, would they still get the money from their contract if the team decides to keep them, but they suspend them?
0: Yeah, when, when players are suspended, they don't get paid. Okay. For, for the games that they're suspended. Yeah, all right. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a one- or two-game suspension just for um, yeah, me neither, conduct detrimental to the
2: game. Yeah, I've just been following, like, the news stories regarding it, and it looks like as time goes on, it gets in favor of just, uh, the players more and more.
0: Yeah, so, I think that's the same thing that you saw with uh, the Cody Latimer situation. Um, again, I think uh, one or two gain suspension there would probably end up being the case, uh, even though he will probably get cleared of his stuff too with the reports that are coming out now about his situation. Um What
2: what happened to Ladd Morgan? What did he do? Changes
0: just... He I remember reading it. He had uh, I know gun charges uh
2: firing He like fired it on like
0: Firing some a area weapon in yeah he fired a gun inside a house essentially Um, Um, i remember reading on it but yeah um going into the fantasy aspect though of the team there's no offensive skill rookies like we said so nothing to talk about there um the rest of the team though what are your y'all's thoughts on what the giants fantasy outlook is this year and
1: I mean, Saquon is Saquon. He's potentially the number one running back in the league. Um, And then they, like I said before, when we were talking about their draft picks, they focused heavily on the offensive line, which should help Saquon and should help Daniel Jones stay upright. Mm -hmm. Um, And in turn, that'll help Daniel Jones... uh, have more time to throw the ball and allow the receivers to get more targets and more receptions and all that. So I think overall, I think the entire team will be upgraded over last year. Um, Except for, I don't know, I think the defense is still not like
2: that great yet, but that could be just me. Yeah, and I would you know, Saquon's definitely a Top pick to pick, um, to pick up in your fantasy league. He's gonna have games where he puts up crazy numbers. He might, you know, I'm sure there are gonna be games where he puts up uh, more numbers than any other back in the league. And uh, Shepard Tate would be a good option, but I necessarily wouldn't start him every game. I feel like I would probably try to wait and just see. It depends on the opponents and depends on how the Giants are doing throughout the year. If I would uh, start like. I would choose it to start him or not, but yeah, if he's available towards the late of your draft, it wouldn't be bad to pick him up. Waiting to see when you would play
0: him. Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys pretty much touched on a lot of stuff. I had, um, like you said, Chris, improved offensive line is going to help Daniel Jones tremendously. Um, what that offensive line looks like will be interesting. Like I said, there's no offensive depth chart on ESPN right now. So I couldn't um, see where the rookies slide in, um, but Saquon is top three back in fantasy, along with Christian McCaffrey and Zeke Elliott. I think those are the consensus top three, uh, in whatever order you want to put them in. And uh, injuries to the wide receivers, though, if they don't, um, if they don't have injuries though this year, I think. Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate could be wide receiver 2 or 3 on deeper rosters and then when you look at Darius Slayton I think he's definitely an interesting dynasty addition Mm -hmm. whether that's in your rookie draft if you combine rookies and veterans like we do he could be picked up later or if he's a free agent um, why not if you have an open roster spot so
1: yeah, I already got him on my team on, on our dynasty, so... Oh, there you go. Um,
0: Evan Ingram, though, I think is a tight end one. I He has had injury issues as well, which have limited his production, but when he has been healthy, he's I kind of liken him to Jordan Reed, but not as much of the injury. Yeah, not nearly as bad with right. the injury. Right, but Evan Ingram has seen production in the league. He just has to now make that next step to get up into the level of Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. And I think that's where uh, he needs to look towards moving in his career. Defensively-wise, you kind of said it. Um, they should be better, though, with the free agents and the draft. But at the same time, I still have them 15-20. to 20. Not the worst defense, but definitely not the best. And yeah, 15 to 20 range, I definitely wouldn't select pick them up though. <laughs> that's just me. And I really don't like the Giants anyways. So. Well,
1: <laughs> that's no, not just the Giants. That's not just the Eagles bias though. they Their defense really isn't that great. Yeah. <laughs> Especially considering that they did that Leonard Williams trade last year. So they really don't like <laughs> that. <they have. laughs>
0: yeah, don't, don't know why Dave Gettleman still has a job. <laughs> but their schedule, though, um, they start off Monday Night Football. They're the early yeah. game in the week one doubleheader that uh, ESPN always has on Monday night. So Monday Night Football, they have Pittsburgh in New York. Then they got to go to Chicago, home against San Francisco, at the Rams, at Dallas, home against Washington, at Philly, home against Tampa, at Washington, home against Philly, by week, week 11. A little bit of a later buy there, at Cincinnati, at Seattle, home against Arizona and Cleveland, and then they go to Baltimore and finish up in New York against the Cowboys. So, where do you guys think that their record shakes out with
1: that schedule there? I think it's a lot like the Redskins, but I think that the Giants will do a little bit better, Um, because let me—I mean, they do have to play Tampa, which is a hard. Team, and who's their other?
0: Um, Tampa and. Uh,
1: oh, Chicago. Chicago. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, again, like the Redskins, I think they're going to split those two games. Um, they will, I think, be able to get a three and three record in that in the division, and then. <clears throat> I mean, outside that, their easiest game, I think, would be against um, Cincinnati and the Rams in Arizona. So I see them going 6-10, and 7-9, something like that, Be in the middle of
2: the pack team. Rod, okay. um, I honestly feel like they're probably going to go a little bit a little better than that. I feel like they'll they'll go seven to nine. Um I guess like we said we don't really know about their offensive line, but uh I don't know, I think this team will just end up doing a lot better than people are predicting. Um I some death some games I know they won't win are or I guess I don't know else I'd bet my entire life on it but I don't see them in the Bucks like you were saying, and um, also the Seahawks is, is definitely going to be a tough matchup with them. But yeah, seven and nine is my final record.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you, Chris. Uh, I have six and ten, but I have a little worse in the division, two and four. Um, they have three primetime games. I have them losing all of them. Um, week one against Pittsburgh at home. At Philadelphia, a Thursday night game there. And then uh, the next week, they're on Monday Night Football again at home against Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. So, yeah. Um, the two division games that I have them winning, I have them splitting with Washington like we talked about with the Redskins there. And then I have them splitting with Philadelphia as well. I have them winning at home in Week 10 against Philly. Um The couple games... Let me see. I really don't... Out of their six wins, there's not really a win other than the Eagles that I think would surprise a lot of people. I have them winning against Chicago, the Rams, Washington, Philly, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. So not really any surprises there. Um, And like I said, the losses... the, The losses aren't really anything either. I mean... They don't have. I don't think they have as much of a brutal schedule as Washington did, like their four-game stretch down uh, later yeah. in the season there. I mean, they do have, though.
2: You late, have them being the Bears, right?
0: Yeah. Late in the right. season, though, they do have sort of a four-game stretch like the Redskins. Not as harsh, though, at Seattle, home against Arizona and Cleveland, and then at Baltimore. Uh, I think the... The away games are going to be the harder ones there just because mm-hmm. of those teams are, will be buying for playoff spots. And even Arizona and Cleveland could be at that point. Who knows? But I I, I do have them winning against, against Cleveland, which I guess would be the more surprising pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but 6-10, and 10, though, for me.
1: Yeah.
0: The Dallas Cowboys here. Um, First-round pick. <laughs> C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma, wide receiver, 17th overall. He fell all the way to them. Um, second round, they got corner Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama. Third round, D-tackle, another Oklahoma guy, Neville Gallimore. Fourth round, they had two picks here. Reggie Robinson, the corner from Tulsa. And they also um, traded up to get Tyler Beatt as the center, from Wisconsin. They got edge rusher Bradley Anai in the fifth round from Utah. And then they got a developmental quarterback in the seventh round from James Madison, Ben DiNucci. Um, My favorite pick for them was Tyler Biotis. I mean, uh, to get him in the fourth round is ridiculous because I thought he was the second best center. Um, Obviously, you had uh, blanking. I, I cannot think of names today. The Saints pick. Ruiz? Yes, Cesar Ruiz, uh, who's a center guard guy, went in the first round. And then after that, I thought Biatis was the, the next best guy at the center position. Um, and the crazy thing is is that he's probably going to start week one. Uh, their depth chart has Joe Looney as the starter right now. Uh, and Tyler Biatis is a third string guy at center, which I don't know why. But I think... Uh, the is going to start week one at center because travis frederick's retirement i thought he was a perfect fit right in the middle of their offense there and to get him in the fourth round was crazy
1: yeah i mean i think it really depends though on like i think a lot of the late round guys aren't going to really get that that big of a shot because of this whole thing is going on because they're not really getting an off season to show what they can do and stuff So I think a lot of the draft picks from this year will be buried in the depth chart. Um, Except for obviously like the first or second round guys that are being drafted as starters. Um, But the guys that have to fight for a spot, I don't think that they're going to really get the chance, at least not right away. Um, But I have to say that my favorite pick that they did was C.D. Lamb in the first round. I mean... I know when we uh, when we were watching it live. I'll talk about it in the Eagles selection section. <laughs> you were hating on uh, you were hating on me and Max there uh, because we were so happy that the Cowboys picked him and not the Dolphins. Um, but yeah, I thought that CD Lamb was the best receiver, hands down, in this draft class. So the fact that he got he got he. The fact that he slid all the way down to 17 and had what was it, only two receivers ahead of him? Maybe three? I don't remember. two. But the fact that he slid all the way to 17 was a really big surprise to me. I had him going to one of those three teams right after the Jets. Um, but, yeah. He's just, I think he'll have a great career there, especially the first couple years there in Dallas being opposite Amari Cooper.
2: And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Um, I'll go with C.D. Lamb as well. Uh, I think he's honestly going to be rookie of the, the year, and I'm kind of pretty confident in that, or he's at least going to be in the running. Talks of it, because last year the Cowboys had the um, highest offense last season. So I just feel like having a receiver and total offense last season. So I just think um, having a receiver like that on your team that's already moving uh, efficiently down the field. He's just going to uh, kind of bloom out, and he's going to have a, a very good rookie year, better than any other draft pick, I think, the entire NFL draft. Um, Dak's definitely going to be able to um, help generate like a good attack with him on his side.
0: Yeah, I thought um, the, the issue, a couple of things that I had wrong with the, the draft here, was that they didn't go after a tight end like the Redskins. Uh, I mean, they're not in a as a dire need as the Redskins are with uh, Blake Jarwin and uh, Dalton Schultz, who they drafted before two years ago. Um, but I, I don't believe in Blake Jarwin at all. I don't think he's really that great. And tight end was their third need on my list here after corner and offensive line. And to not get one, I, it, I mean, it was a weak tight end class. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, Cole Komet went one pick <clears throat> before them, which in the second round, so that kind of limited to them to not being able to get their, the top tight end there. But, I mean, there were, there were some other guys that they could have got later that potentially could have been um, producers at the position. The other thing was, I thought they needed more edge rushers. They only got one in Bradley and I out of Utah, and that was a great pick in the fifth round. Good value there. I thought uh, Bradley and I was fourth round, uh, could have slid into the bottom third because he had a really good senior bowl there and uh, is a pretty good disruptor from the edge. But looking at their depth chart at, at the edge position, Demarcus Lawrence hasn't had help for a while. I mean, Mm -hmm. we talked about Greg Hardy a little earlier, but that was before, really, DeMarcus Lawrence was what he is now. And they have Tyrone Crawford, who they're going to push out from D tackle to end this season. Other than that, they have Randy Gregory, who we talked about already with suspension issues. Alden Smith, suspension issues. And then they have Bradley and I, Dorrance Armstrong, who they drafted in the seventh round last year. Jalen Jelks, and Joe Jackson at the end. So, yeah, I thought they needed more uh, rushing help there.
2: Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. That's
0: just me.
1: Yeah, I I think the Cowboys are one of the more complete teams in the NFL Um, because, like Rob was saying before, they have one of the best offenses. Um, So, really only their defense – was the problem but they addressed it for the most part like the cornerback position they addressed but like you were saying rusty the edge rusher was probably their the thing that they should have addressed that they didn't or at least not as much as they should have um but i do like the Bradley and I pick up in the fifth round though um but yeah they definitely should have gone for more defensive line slash edge rusher help
0: Rob, your issues with the Cowboys draft here?
2: Um, I guess I would definitely go with tight ends, even though I do believe that um, including Lamb on the offense, just it's going to help the other receivers. But I think that having him on will create way for um, the tight end to possibly not necessarily be a big factor. I mean not necessarily be like a limitation on offense. I think that having three receivers is definitely gonna open up a room for tight ends to, to get some captains out there. And also, um, yeah, the edge rushers would definitely help their their defense just because their offense is having no problems right now. So having good edge rusher will help. Um, we'll see if they decide to make any other moves towards this like during the season or at right the season, but at this point, yeah, edge rusher what would be my main concern?
0: You know, I it just popped into my head, and I would literally hate if it happened, but they really don't have the money to do it anyways it, to get Jadavion Clowney opposite oh, no, DeMarcus crazy. Lawrence. Uh, and that would show you that the Cowboys are actually trying to go for a Super Bowl. I
2: mean, but, I think like always, I said,
0: they don't really they, have the money to do that.
2: Yeah, I saw, I saw that <clears throat> cowboys about like 2020 or something what the cowboys want to do and then like it was like a picture of him failing or something i think it was like the catch when uh what's his name what was the, the famous catch that didn't come? as brian as brian yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was something like that which i don't know if, i mean i personally think that was a catch but that's up for another mm-hmm. debate but whatever <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, looking at the rookie fantasy outlook here, there's there's two guys on offense, Steady uh, Lamb and Ben DiNucci, the quarterback. Um, Lamb, we have talked about him, but I mean, I think he's a potential wide receiver too this year. Um, really? Yeah, uh, even yeah. in his rookie season and with Michael Gallup there, I still think he can produce because uh, Chris and I, we've talked about it before, we both agree that he... We thought he was the the best receiver in the draft, and uh, I think he's ready to come in and produce day one, right behind Amari Cooper. Uh, not even right behind. I think he's one B to Amari Cooper's one A. Yeah, I'm saying wide receiver one point
2: five. I don't know if he's I, two. You know, <laughs> I
0: think I think he's a must in dynasty drafts, and I think he's going to be a top five pick. Hey, if uh, he might even slide to six. In our dynasty draft in ten days, please and thank you. I will take him all day. Um, yeah. Ben DiNucci, no value. Obviously, he's a developmental quarterback drafting the seventh round. He might not make the roster. Uh, he has to. Cl- he has to battle Clayton Thorson for the third quarterback spot there, uh, behind Cooper Rush and Dak Prescotts. are not. Actually, not Cooper Rush. Yeah, Cooper Andy Rush. Andy Dalton. <laughs> I forgot about Andy Dalton because I printed these depth charts off. Uh, before the Andy Dalton signing so yeah Andy Dalton actually so yeah Danucci has no shot at the roster (laughs) what are y'all's thoughts on CeeDee Lamb then uh, looking at his fantasy rookie year here
1: yeah I think like you said Dynasty League he's a must Um, and even in regular leagues I think that he'll be picked up um, possibly even before some teams number one options (laughs)
0: Higher than people because, expect.
1: Yeah, he he's just that dynamic and to be on a team like he is, like he's still gonna be like the third option on the team behind Zeke and Amari Cooper. So like teams will be focused on those two and then he'll be right there to get the ball. So
2: Yeah. Um I'm, I'm I'm definitely gonna try to grab them maybe my second pick in the draft. Um, I know. Like he's, I know, I I believe strongly that he's gonna be rookie of the year. So I just want to have him on my team. I don't want anybody to grab him before I do. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of unorthodox in the way I pick, I choose my drafts every single year. Um, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, he's gonna have a great season. So definitely need him.
0: Yeah, looking at the rest of the team here, um. Obviously, the offense is loaded. Um, Besides the tight end position, which I already said I don't really like, uh, you have Zeke, you have Dak, you have Amari, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. Um, The only issue is behind them, though, nothing really. Cedric Wilson is their best guy right behind them. Uh, But, yeah, uh, Dak Prescott's QB1. I have him in our dynasty league. He is a godsend. QB1 all the way. He's on the franchise tag, which I think will make him play even better than he did last year. Um, Zeke has a lesser offensive line with the Travis Frederick retirement and Tyron Smith's injury issues at left tackle. So I think that is going to hurt him a little bit, but I still think, like we said before, he's a top three running back along with Christian McCaffrey and Saquon. All three wide receivers I think are draftable. Um, and like I said, I expect Lamb to supplant Michael Gallup as the wide receiver, too, in their offense. I already said, no faith in the tight ends. And then their defense, uh, I don't really expect a, a very good season from them. Um, so I have them in the late teens to early 20s, kind of where I've had all of the NFC East defenses at this point.
1: Yeah, I do think that they're the best defense, though, in the NFC East, I mean, of the ones we talked about so far, but yeah, they're they're still like middle third of the league there. Um, but uh, yeah, their offense, every single one of those players that we mentioned should be on a fantasy roster. I agree.
0: Um looking at their schedule here, at the Rams on Sunday night, they open SoFi Stadium in L.A. Uh, they're going to be the first game there. Then they come home against Atlanta at Seattle, home against Cleveland at the Giants and Arizona on a Monday night game. They go to Washington and then to Philly for a Sunday night game. And then they have Pittsburgh at home, a buy-in week 10, which I th- think is a pretty good spot for that, um, right in between Pittsburgh. And then they have to go to Minnesota week 11. They come home for Washington on Thanksgiving. Then they go to Baltimore, to Cincinnati, home against San Francisco on Sunday night, home against Philly, and then at, Wash- at the Giants to end it out. So... Um, I have them at 11 and 5, 4 and 2 in the division. Um, they have in
2: Atlanta, donkey.
0: Yes, obviously. Um, they have five primetime games, uh, six if you want to include Thanksgiving, but it's not a primetime slot. It's always that 12 o'clock, or not 12 o'clock, the uh, 425 game. So. Um, but in their primetime games, I have them going 3-2, and two, um, winning against the Rams week 1, winning against the Cardinals in week 6, losing in Philly week 8, losing in Baltimore on a Thursday night week 13, and then winning against San Francisco in week 15 at home. Uh, I think that's a shocker to many people if they look at my picks here. Uh, losses to Seattle in Seattle Uh, Pittsburgh at home I think they're going to lose to Pittsburgh Uh, Baltimore like I already said and then uh, at the Giants week 17 and also the Philly loss Sunday Night Football like I said as well Um, their only two divisional losses are the Philly and the Giants losses so that's where my record stands for them where do y'all see their record shaking out
1: um, I mine's very similar to yours. It's, it's just a couple of the games are switched around. <clears throat> um, I don't see them losing to San Fran. I mean, I don't see them winning against San Fran, so that's one. And the other one, I think that they would beat Pittsburgh. So I flip those two games, and then the last game of the season. I think it depends heavily on the rest of the standings at that point um, I think that the Cowboys will still be fighting for playoff positioning they might have already secured the division at that point but I think they'll be fighting for playoff positioning so I think that they will still be playing in that game so I think they'll win that one so
2: I think that they'll go 12-4 and I haven't um, not going as well as that. I think they're gonna be ten and six. Um and just some notable games. I think they'll probably lose. I'm gonna go with uh the 49ers, uh Baltimore, um, and Seattle. But uh yeah, that's I think ten and six is about where i had. did did you uh what was your pick again, Rusty?
0: Eleven and five.
2: Yeah, well I, I guess um you I guess you, you did have them beating San Francisco. I don't mm-hmm. think that's gonna happen, but we'll see. Um and I also don't think that uh they'll beat Atlanta, but that's more of a <laughs> um a sided judgment on that. I'm kinda of biased, <laughs> but um I just want the Falcons to win every game, honestly, so <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it I think little... what? what?
0: I mean, I think uh, I think a couple games that are tricky for them that could uh, limit their record is going to Minnesota. I think that could be a, a tricky game for them, and also yeah. the home game against Arizona. Um, I'm not sure why. I just have a feeling that that's it's at the end of a three-game homestand, and uh, I don't know. I just have a feeling it's on Monday night too. So I think Kyler Murray might come out with some magic in Dallas and uh, stun some people there, especially since it's week six and we'll kind of know where both teams are at that point. So, yeah, those are the couple games that I think are going to be tricky that could flip. And if they would flip both of those games, that would put them at 9-7 and for me, which has been a kind of NFC East mainstay record to win the division. Anyways... So, if any NFC East team gets up to 10 wins, they have a shot at winning the division. <laughs> it's always 9-7, and 10-6 usually wins the division in the NFC East. But, moving on to the last team here, the Philadelphia Eagles, my boys. I hated their offseason. It's literally... I said this on our live draft coverage. It was the worst draft from Howie Roseman that I've witnessed since I've started watching the draft. And I think, I think I started watching the draft, um, like, diligently in 2014, I think. I think that's when I really started getting into the draft a lot. So in six years, seven years, I... Always do that math wrong. Um Yeah, this is the worst draft I've seen from the Eagles. But anyways, twenty-first overall, they got Jalen Rager, the wide receiver from TCU. Second round quarterback Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma. Linebacker Davion Taylor in the third round from Colorado. Two fourth rounders, Kayvon Wallace, the safety out of Clemson. Uh, offensive tackle Jack Driscoll from Auburn. Uh, fifth rounder John Hightower, the wide receiver from Boise State, in a pick that they got from New England in the Michael Bennett trade last year. They had three sixth round picks. Sean Bradley, linebacker from Temple, he gets to stay home in Philly, and they got that pick from Chicago when Chicago traded up to get Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver from Tulane. Um, they also got another, a third wide receiver, Tez Watkins out of Southern Miss. And then uh, Prince Tega Wanago from Auburn, offensive tackle. They got that pick in uh, the trade for Marquise Goodwin from San Francisco. And then they also had one-seventh-round pick Casey Tuhill, the edge rusher from Stanford, which was another selection they got from Chicago in the Darnell Mooney trade-up. So what was your guys' favorite picks? I'll I'll wait to go off here. (laughs) Um, Well, like you said. They didn't
1: have the greatest draft, so there wasn't much to choose from. Um, I I don't know, I, I, I don't even
2: know if I could pick one really. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have uh, Jalen um, Rieger. Is that how you pronounce his name?
0: Yeah, Jalen Rager. Rieger, Rieger Rieger. I don't know. Maybe I've heard him yeah.
2: other ways. I mean, I I think he's gonna be good. Uh, Definitely will take some pressure off the quarterback. Um, he's able to make plays on his own, you know, to create open space and to, um, in coverage when it's tight, be able to kind of create, um, create create offense that normally wouldn't be there. But I think he's the best pick they have. I mean, he is their first-round pick. Um, I know they did have another receiver they were looking into, um, and they decided – they decided to just, uh go with uh, Rager, but I think he's he's gonna have a, a good season. Um I could see him uh being like one of the top receivers on the team overall. Uh and he's very good at, uh in in zone coverage so just due to his playing stop. Um and then when it comes to Hurts, I don't know what they were really planning on doing with him. Um I guess it's gonna be the time is not there if they want. I don't know if they're planning on like kind of having him as a you know kind of a role where he could be a, a running back or a wide receiver. But he is a quarterback, and I think he just wants to play quarterback. Um, so yeah, I, I I really don't know. Maybe they might try to fit him in some other role. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing for his career.
0: Yeah, I mean and then, like
2: Taysom like Taysom Hill. I don't know if they want to do something like that, like what with, with uh like New Orleans to or the Taysom Hill, but I think Hurts is just a quarterback and I don't really know what they're thinking. Especially yeah. second round.
0: I mean I put down Jalen Hurts as my favorite pick out of their their selections just because I did love For him um, pre draft. Pre draft I loved him and that's why I thought Same. that the Steelers should have taken him with their first selection the second round uh because yeah. i thought he would have been perfect in pittsburgh as the successor to ben roethlisberger eventually um and it was, also would have made me happy as a steelers fan as well but um, what do you
2: think they're going to do with Wentz though like i'm like i i really like him as a pick just in any uh for any team that really needs a quarterback i just don't know what they like what like what is his role going to be do you think
0: well he's going to be a quarterback uh
2: I'm they're gonna have
0: they're gonna have a package for him, sort of like Lamar Jackson did his rookie year, uh, when Joe Flacco was still the starter there. Um, that's what I've heard recently is that he is gonna be more of a Lamar Jackson kind of person. Mm-hmm. He's gonna I'd, come in I'd, to play quarterback and not necessarily run the football. But yeah, I just
2: don't like when when teams do that. We kind of saw it with Rom and. Um, Oh, God. And what's his name? Can you Fields. guys give me his name? I'm having a little blank right now.
0: Justin Fields. With
2: Ron and Fields. Like, I don't want Hurts to be affected by the fact that they might put him in on drives or on certain possessions, and they don't. And he's not able to build momentum um, from it. And his game affects that. And, you know, I don't want him, there to be any bad blood in, in Philly. Well, I, honestly, there could be bad blood in Philly. I'm not a Philly fan, but for Hertz's sake, I don't know if that's going to be the best move for him.
0: Well, I think that for one, uh, Doug Peterson is one of the best play callers in the NFL, so I think that he's going to put a pretty good package together for him. Um and also I think with the personalities of Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz along with uh, Nate Sudfeld Nate Sudfeld yeah. in the quarterback room there as well. I think all of yeah. those three both, all three of those guys are pretty down to earth guys and um don't have big egos. So I think uh, Carson isn't really going to have an issue with uh, getting a couple snaps off and uh, mm-hmm. Hurts going in for a series or two. And I think it really actually is going to help Carson because limiting his... Uh, taking away those snaps is less giving him less snaps to get hurt because he has been hurt the last three seasons. And that's what Philly fans have been... Killing Carson Wentz for Over the yeah, past how, three years How long
2: has Carson been in the league now? Like five years maybe? Four years?
0: This year is his fifth
2: This year will be his fifth?
0: Yeah he was drafted yeah. in 2016
2: Okay well yeah I mean I, mean, I don't know how to just feel about the entire situation But I guess you have a better outlook than I do to if You follow the, the Eagles a lot better than I do
0: yeah, I think uh I think it'll be it'll be fine. I think Carson'll be And Carson'll he'll, he'll be a good mentor for Jalen. Definitely be yeah. able to help uh deve- develop Jalen's passing a little bit better. And uh yeah. I think that Jalen's actually going to start as third on the depth chart. I think that's where he's going to have to start because uh Nate Sudfeld's already been in the offense and he knows how to run it and he's more of a veteran and yeah, he would be more competent to come in. If Carson goes down, then Hurts would, especially at
2: this point with the limited. Just saying, because you're saying just because he knows the offense a little better.
0: Yeah, that and the limited off-season activities yeah. right now, it's,
2: makes sense. it's hurting all I, the
0: rookies. I, yeah,
1: I am glad it. Like, the rookies aren't going to get as much playing time because of this whole thing. They don't get like the offseason that rookies normally do. So,
2: a lot of the players that are fighting for a spot won't really get that mm-hmm. spot right now. Unless you're like Lamb or something, but yeah, I I am glad that that Hertz was selected in the second round. I I was on. A lot of people had him make like pretty late in the draft, and I didn't see that. I mean, I, I mean, I just thought he was just an athlete all around, and just his character and everything. I know that he's that he'd be willing to learn any playbook and into any role that he needed to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it was crazy to see, um, him get drafted and then not another quarterback get drafted until Jacob Eason in the fourth round, um, mm-hmm. which was a lot of people were questioning why didn't Jacob Eason go higher. And it's because when you look at quarterbacks in the draft, it's you you pretty much had to grade them as starters or developmental. And essentially what the Eagles did was they they – obviously had Jalen Hurts as a starting caliber quarterback in the draft. And so when he went and then Jacob Eason went in the fourth round, all the teams had to have had Jacob Eason as a developmental guy and not as a maybe two-year and then starter. Um, So I think essentially what's going to happen with Jalen Hurts in the future is he's going to end up like Jimmy Garoppolo and – well, okay, there's two scenarios. He could end up like Jimmy Garoppolo, and the Eagles could get a, end up getting a second-round pick back for him in three, four years. Or, well, three years. They'd have to do it in three years because he's a second-round pick, so he only has a four-year contract. But anyways, or the doomsday scenario, essentially, what I would call it, is that Carson Wentz gets hurt too many times, or Carson Wentz has a season-ending injury. Jalen Hurts comes in, produces, and then he's the starter, and Carson Wentz goes elsewhere. But that's those are the only two scenarios that I see, um, and only time will tell which one actually plays out. But I think it's definitely good either way for him to be in the Philadelphia quarterback room at this point. Um, <laughs> okay, now the issue. This is where I'm going to go off here. The issue that I had with their draft was the first round, obviously. Uh, they needed a wide receiver. Everyone knew they needed a wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb sitting there at number 16, right? The Cowboys drafted number 17. As we saw in our live draft coverage, I was begging and pleading Howie Roseman, trade up. Please, trade up five spots. All you need to do is go five spots and you get the best receiver in the draft. Atlanta's there at 16. They don't need a receiver. They could have used the extra picks because their defense needed them Um, and their offensive line. So I don't know why there was no trade up to 16. But also there's a second part. Justin Jefferson's sitting there. Okay, CeeDee Lamb's gone at 17. Eagles are picking at 21. The Minnesota Vikings are picking at 22. Justin Jefferson is sitting on the board. Justin Jefferson had been mocked to the Eagles all over the place. And they don't draft. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes one pick later to the Vikings. (laughs) So those were my two issues. The receiver in the first round, when they could have had two different better receivers, had they traded up, or even stuck there, and they still could have got Justin Jefferson, who I think was a lot better receiver than Jalen Riker.
1: Yeah, I mean, i I can't really defend the them not picking Jefferson because, yeah, I agree they should have done that. But the Lamb thing, there was a lot of there was too many like components that went into that for them to not have done that. I mean, they, for all we know, they could have like sent a trade request or something. And then it got shot down by the Falcons, or like, who knows? Maybe like even with Lamb falling, they already had their thought process in place that they weren't going to budge from that. Um, But yeah, they they could have gone something way better than what they did in the first round, and for the whole draft, for the most part, but
2: mainly in the first round. I don't think Jefferson is the worst pick. I mean I'm not a big Eagles fan whatsoever, but um I think he's a good receiver. I think he'll help, he'll help the team. So I'm not too mad about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um anyways, the fantasy outlook here of the rookies specifically Three wide receivers, uh, Jalen Rager, Kez Watkins, and John Hightower. I mean, I think, obviously, Jalen Rager's an instant starter. I think he's going to start with Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey out there, uh, putting Deshaun Jackson in the slot and putting Jalen Rager opposite Alshon Jeffrey. Um, And he does have dynasty value. I mean, just because I don't like him doesn't mean I wouldn't draft him in dynasty, especially um, because he's going to be a starter. Watkins and Hightower, though, I think are more developmental. I don't think they're gonna have much value this year. Um, I think Watkins, though, I mean, both of, all three of them have speed. That's why they were drafted by the Eagles. The Eagles wanted to add speed to their wide receiver room, and um, I think Watkins, though, specifically his speed, um, I think he has his speed is gonna give him a little bit more of an edge over John Hightower, who was drafted ahead of him. Uh, Around ahead of him, Jalen Hurts uh, limited snaps this year, and for the foreseeable future. So I think uh, his dynasty value is not anything really at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but dynasty, though, I would keep him. I would definitely draft him.
1: Um, yeah, I agree for the most part with all the uh, all the rookies except. I don't know if Rager's actually going to do that great because they do seem to have a little bit of a crowded room now. I don't know. I mean, he might be the number two now or number three or whatever, but they did also during the draft or like right before the draft trade for Marquise Goodwin too. Um, So I see him fitting in there too. So I don't know exactly what the depth chart is, but there's a lot of different targets there for Wentz and or Jalen Hurts to throw to, Um, but, yeah.
0: Rob, your thoughts on the fantasy outlook for the rookies here? Did we lose you, Rob? Might have lost him. Okay, I think we lost Rob here. Um, looking at the rest hey of the... I'm back I'm back right. <laughs> I don't know
2: what happened uh, that we lost Yeah, what you. I was saying was that Rager I could see him being a player that I would pick up if he's available towards the end of the season and I really uh, like need to need another player to fill a slot but um, yeah I, I just wanna I'm gonna need to see I'm not gonna go after him in my draft I'm gonna just need to see how the Eagles play throughout the year and if he's available I might pick him up um, hurts no, just cause I don't know how that's gonna work with Carson, and um, he's gonna be limited in to touches no matter what. So.
0: Yeah, looking at yes. the rest of the team though, um, I think when you look at Carson Wentz, if he's healthy, he's an easy quarterback one. Uh, mm-hmm. He's played like it since his. Almost MVP season in twenty seventeen, and especially last year. When you look at last year, all the injuries that they had at the receiver position, he still produced. I mean, I'm not exactly sure where his fantasy stats were, but just on the field, he made the most of what he had with the receivers that he did have, and the even when injuries hit, Miles Sanders at the running back position, he still produced with Boston Scott. Um, and then he has tight ends Ertz and Goddard there Um, but I think especially with the speed increase at the wide receiver position I think that's going to help him a lot and elevate his status into the top 10 quarterbacks I mean he's always he has been a top 10 quarterback I believe in the past couple years and uh, if he really if the speed really does uptick his production even top 5 quarterback for Carson Wentz there um Miles Sanders and RB1 this year I believe um, some people may not but I definitely believe in Miles Sanders considering what he did down the stretch in his rookie season last year um, and he's also going to get increased carries this year without Jordan Howard there so he is the number one running back on their depth chart as well as in fantasy I believe Um Zach Ertz, I have his jersey on right here. You know, um, he's a top three tight end. He's gonna he's gonna stay that way. Him, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle are the top three fantasy tight ends there, and even on field production actually. And I I think uh, he should have more space with the speed at wide receiver and the increased quality of wide receivers. There, uh, I think I don't think Goddard takes away as much as some people might think. I mean, yeah, uh, they they run a lot of 12 personnel. I saw a uh, tweet from Daniel Jeremiah, I think it was, today, that showed the top five playoff teams in terms of percentage of 12 personnel that they use. So um, two tight ends, one running back. And um, the Eagles were tops. They ran 47, 46% of their plays in 12 personnel, which was a lot, and some person tried to comment that it was because of the injuries at wide receiver but it really wasn't though they they love running 12 personnel because they have the best tight end tandem in the league and um, Ertz and Goddard produce well for them especially when it comes to the running game as well I think their defense like we said though um, all four of the NFC's defenses aren't the best um, I believe a little bit in the Eagles defense, though. Uh, it's improved on paper. The linebackers are very big question marks in first-year starters with uh, Nathan Gary, who started last year, but they also have TJ Edwards, who's uh, predicted to be the new middle linebacker. He played 112 snaps last year as an undrafted rookie free agent from Wisconsin. They also signed Jatavis Brown, so I think those are going to be their starters. Uh, they have Duke Riley and Davion Taylor, who, who they drafted this year now. The linebackers are still the issue, I think, on this defense, and they haven't really ever spent draft capital or uh, money in free agency to fix that position. They didn't bring back Nigel Bradham. So top 15 for me, potential to be top 10, depending on if the Darius Slay trade works out and the Jalen Mills moving from corner to safety
1: yeah um, in terms of the whole team yeah Wentz I think could be top 10 if he stays healthy Um, and the wide receivers I mean Alshon Jeffrey is still I think a good maybe wide receiver too Um, I don't know about like I wouldn't him as my top option but you don't want to he.
0: draft Deshaun
1: no I, <laughs> I don't know if he'll do much at all um like I was saying before Mark Goodwin and Jalen Rieger are there too so I mean I don't know I I think that the Deshaun Jackson thing was more just to bring him back home <laughs> than anything
0: but when you look at his week one last year it showed what he could be with Carson Wentz when he lit up Washington for a hundred plus receiving yards and two touchdowns, that was also, I think,
1: a revenge game for him, though.
0: Well, okay, but still, <laughs> but then he went to Atlanta week two and got hurt, and that was yeah. the season. So, yeah. I think you really don't know what he has in the offense.
1: Yeah, and then obviously, Ertz, I think, is like the the top three like we have here. Um, I, I think he is the number three though, not top three. I think he is number three behind Kittle and uh, Kittle and Kelsey there. Um, although I'd still love to have him on my team. But, uh, yeah, and then the running backs, I don't know. I've never really been a fan of the Eagles running backs. So, I mean, I, I, if I needed to, if, if I was short on running backs, I'd de- definitely take one. But, I don't know. I'm just not very big on the Eagles offense other than – and maybe went if he can stay healthy, but that's the that's the question: Can he stay healthy? Um, and then yeah, the defense, like the lower top, the lower part of the top half of the league, like you have it here. I think that they can <clears throat> um, definitely be like the top half. But it, like you said too, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors in how good they can actually be. But for now, yeah, I'd put them, like,
0: 13 to 15. Rob, what do you think the rest of their team outlook looks in fantasy?
2: I think we might have lost Rob again. Yeah, his, his mic is muted right now. I keep speaking when it's muted. I I got the, the tap to speak, and I, I I don't know how to change it from that, but... Um, What I was saying was I think their offense is going to be exciting to watch. Um, If Wins stays healthy, um, then it should be a safe bet for the entire team to do well this year um, during fantasy and just the outlook on that side. Um, I don't know too much about their defense, but overall, I I think their offense is going to be, you know, top – Offense in the league this year.
0: Getting into their schedule here, um, week one at Washington. Then they have two home games against the Rams and Bengals. They go to San Francisco for a Sunday night game. Uh, Then they go across the state to Pittsburgh, home against Baltimore, the Giants, they get on Thursday night, and then home against Dallas as well. On Sunday night, so this three-game homestand before their bye in Week Nine. Uh, then they go three out of four on the road at the Giants at Cleveland versus uh, the Seahawks in Philly on Monday night at Green Bay. Then they have New Orleans at home at Arizona at Dallas, and then they finish up at home against Washington. So, where do you guys think that their record shakes out here? <laughs>
2: I got Um, 10 (laughs)
1: crits. I'm not as high as you guys are on them I have them going 9 and 7 because they do have I think the toughest schedule out of all the NFC East teams being that they were the winners last year so they have to play against the Saints and the Packers um, which I think they'll lose both of those um even though the Packers game is in Philly. No, but, it's in Green Bay. Or that's what I meant. In Well, then, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know why. I saw the at, and I was like, oh, it's in, <laughs> in Philly. Anyway. Um, yeah, so that's definitely a loss for me then, I think. Um, especially since Green Bay, I think, will be fighting for the playoff spot, and it's late in the season. Um, but... Yeah, I don't really see them winning that much out of the out of the division. I agree with the four and two division record, but then after that, I think they go five and five outside the division and end up with a nine and seven record.
0: Yeah, I'm with Rob. Um, Ten and six for me. Four and two in the division. Um, they the two division losses are the Giants and um Cowboys Both away games That they lose But They have four primetime games I have them going 3-1 in primetime Um One Of those primetime games Wins is surprising to many people Beating Seattle In Philly on Monday night Um The other three I have them losing to San Francisco in San Francisco on Sunday night and then beating both the Giants and Dallas in Philly back-to-back weeks on Thursday night and Sunday night. I think uh, having the Giants on Thursday night and then having such a long time to prepare for the Cowboys the next week uh, and they get to stay home at the same time, I think that makes up a perfect storm for them to easily beat the Cowboys on Sunday night football right before their bye week. Um, the other surpri- the two other surprising ones I think people would look at are beating Arizona in Arizona with the improved offense that they're going to have there along with their potential top 10 defense um, and then the one that would perplex many people winning in Green Bay um, my thing is, is they did it last year They beat Green Bay last year in Green Bay. So why can't they do it again this year? Um, Craig James, the hero from last year, probably not even going to be on the Eagles this year. But they had dire need at corner and someone got hurt. Craig James came in for one play and made the play that he needed to at the goal line against Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, with Rodgers not getting the help at receivers anyways... He still only has Devontae Adams, and now with the Eagles having Darius Slay being able to cover Devontae Adams, it'll be the second and third corners versus the second and third receivers of the Packers, and I think that favors the, the Eagles' defense. Uh, I think the Eagles have a lot of quality depth at corner, not necessarily star power, but when you look at it, it's a lot of guys that they've drafted in the past that just haven't really produced at the top of, of the their game. Uh, I mean, you look like, at Sidney Jones is going to be the starter opposite Darius Slay. But then you have Rasul Douglas. Um, you have Nickel Roby Coleman, who is potentially one of the best um, value additions in free agency this year, one year, one million, as their slot corner. Um, and then you also have Trevor Williams, who they picked up from the Chargers, and uh, Avante Maddox, who played a lot last year as well. So I think uh, the death at corner will help them in that game specifically, and uh, having beating Green Bay in Green Bay, ten and six for me. Um,
1: yeah,
2: <laughs> It's a little
1: bit of a homer, uh, homer vibe coming from you, but that's that's
2: alright. But yeah, yeah, go ahead, Rob. I could see them 10-6. and six. I, I see them losing to the Falcons, Seahawks, um, they don't 49ers. The, they do even
0: play the Falcons.
2: Oh, uh, really? <laughs> they well, I just had year. to say the Falcons. I know they played the Seahawks in 49ers, but I just had to say the Falcons. I feel like we there was a game there somewhere, but I guess not. If, if they did play the Falcons, they would lose. So just throw that out there. <laughs> um, those games are always fun to watch, but yeah.
0: Um, I lost my train of thought When I said but before uh, Oh yeah Chris I, I might be biased But when you look at the records That I have of the four teams though I don't have the Eagles winning the division Um Granted When right now We, we have our Who wins the division pick Um I'll give mine first because I'm already talking about it. But even though I have the records going for the Cowboys in the Cowboys' favor at 11-5 and five versus 10-6, and six, um, I think that the Eagles are going to win the division. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it, just, it always happens. The Cowboys just fall apart at the end of the season. Um, Dak's going to have some contract standoff at the beginning of the season. They're, they're going to lose games. They're gonna start Andy Dalton, and uh, <laughs> they're gonna they're yeah, just gonna the fall off somehow.
1: What? He's the best backup in the league. So yeah. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Um,
1: who do you guys
0: have won the division here?
1: Yeah, the Cowboys. Yeah. I just, I just think they're too good. Same. The because the Redskins are nowhere near it. the Giants, even though they got Saquon. They're still nowhere near it, and I mean the only competition that the Cowboys have is the Eagles over here. But yeah, I don't think the Eagles are good enough to keep up with the Cowboys, and I don't think that they'll make the playoffs either. I think it's only one team coming from the uh, one team coming from the uh, NFC East here.
0: Rob, why do you think the Cowboys will win the division?
2: Just because their offense is so explosive and they have the best receiver made, like in the entire draft added to their team.
0: All right, well, we'll see how it all shakes out in a couple months. Um, but next week we will be back with our eighth-round series. We're talking to AFC West. We will have Patrick Mahomes. We will be talking... Um, Justin Herbert, and along with the Raiders, (laughs) Raiders and Broncos, Drew Locke, Derek Carr. Um, Anyways, thank you guys. Remember everyone to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify. Twitter and Instagram, it's at FAA Podcast. Also, if you're watching on Facebook, please continue to follow us there. And uh, make sure to catch us on Spotify. Download uh, listen in your car whatever you want to do there we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts iHeartRadio all for your listening pleasure thank you again and we'll see you next week